Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. Let me let me start off here by thanking everyone for listening today. Uh, hi, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell. And over the last few years, the episodes of this podcast series have, have been downloaded and listened to uh, more than 125,000 times. That's that's great. That's outstanding. And I want to thank everyone for being part of the experience. Now, one of the reasons that we have such a, a large following is the quality of the content provided by our guests each week. I, I certainly know you're not coming to listen to me for 15 minutes. And today's perfect example of that is I will be joined by Attorney Heather Walzer. Heather has been here a number of times in the past, uh, as we've talked about estate planning, always provides a wealth of information. Uh, Today, I'm sure, is going to be no different. We're going to discuss the process of funding a trust, uh, why we need to do that, why it's important, and we'll we'll certainly get all the information. So looking forward to the conversation. Let's get started. Um, Heather, how are you doing today? Very well. Thanks always, uh, as always, for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah, good to have you here. Now, you, you shared a, a great deal of information in past discussions that I just mentioned, uh, often discussing uh, wills and different instruments found in an estate plan. Uh, today we're going to talk about trusts. I know there are several types, so as we begin, are we looking and talking about a specific type of trust today? Well, you know, for what we're going to talk about, the funding process, that's actually important for every kind of trust. So while you're absolutely right, there are plenty of different kinds of trusts that can be specifically tailored to all kinds of different particular situations, the bottom line for every trust is that they've got to be funded, um, no matter what kind of a trust it is. In fact, that is pretty much the the principal primary um, requisite that you need to to accomplish in order for the trust to exist. You've got to check that box. There's got to be an asset in the trust for the trust to even really be valid and be a trust. Um, in fact, it's, it's kind of interesting. Sometimes I have clients come in with older trust documents that were established some time ago, and it was a common practice many years ago to actually staple a dollar bill or a $10 bill to a copy of the, or to the signed original version of the trust just to show here's an asset that's going in this trust. So it's a requirement across all trusts, no matter what they are. And let's let's just give me give me a quick recap here for our listeners. You know, can you, if you can, in a couple of sentences, what's the main purpose of a trust? Why why do we have a trust in the first place? Yeah, of course. So the the most common purpose of a trust is for estate planning. Um, so when I say that, it's a revocable or living trust that I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And the purpose of that trust is to hold your assets during your life, but at that point the trust assets are totally being managed by you and for your benefit. Um, But where the trust really kicks in and starts to function is if you become incapacitated or when you pass away. At that point, the trust is a mechanism for managing those assets if you're not able to do so. So whether that's because you're incapacitated or disabled in some way, or because you've passed away, the trust document itself spells out exactly what should happen to those assets. So that's true for a living trust. 
It's also true for the um, different types of irrevocable or unchangeable, unamendable trusts that we sometimes prepare in certain circumstances. So the bottom line is the trust is a mechanism for managing assets in a given set of circumstances, whether it's incapacity or death. Okay, and now let's let's kind of bring together the first few comments you've made here. I, I sort of get this sense that if if I followed your advice from from past podcasts and discussions and established a trust, that that my work is really only partially done. When you talk about funding a trust, what what does that mean? Yeah, that's, you're you're exactly right, and that's a really important point to make. Is just writing the trust document and signing it is not enough. You've got to take that next step, and the next step is funding, and by funding, we mean transferring the assets into the trust. So one of the easiest ways to walk through it and describe it is to talk about real estate. So if you own a house right now, let's say you know the house is titled in your name or maybe jointly with another owner or a spouse, um, that means it's owned by you individually. And when you die, it could potentially be subject to a probate court proceeding, um, or it could just be inherited by, um, y- you know, your your heirs, your children, whomever it is. Now, if instead of the probate process or you know the the intestacy process, you want your house to pass according to the terms of your trust, which you should want it to do, um, during your lifetime, you need to transfer ownership or title of your home into your trust. The way that we do that is we prepare a deed, typically a quick claim deed is what it's called, very simple instrument, just saying, you know, I, Jim Mitchell, transfer my home to the Jim Mitchell Living Trust. Um, We prepare that document, you sign it, and then in the case of a deed, it's got to be recorded with the county recorder where the property is. But the takeaway from all of that is that ultimately you've got to get those assets transferred to the trust. So that's the way the real estate works. Other assets are a little more simple. Um, If you have a bank account, you just go into your bank and say, hey, I want to transfer this into the name of my trust. And functionally the way it works is they usually close out the account and then they create a new account in the name of the Jim Mitchell Living Trust. Um, So that's what the funding process really means. It means transferring the ownership of those assets into the trust and changing the title of the assets to the trust. Because if they're not in the trust, then the trust can't do anything with them. The trustee can't act on those assets in the event of your death or your incapacity. Yeah, and let's let's talk about the ramifications there. Um, you've sort of outlined the process and, and the fact that it provides for a uh, for lack of a better term, a, a smoother, easier transition. But are, what, are there downsides? Are there tax implications or court implications that if you don't have assets in the trust, things are, are may become problematic for those who are surviving you? Well, it, it's yes, there definitely are implications if you don't have the assets in a trust. One of the biggest ones is that if you go through all this work and you create the trust, but then you don't fund it, you're not completely out of luck. Um, What we do, and I I talk frequently about having a comprehensive estate plan, and part of that means you kind of have belt and suspenders. So if you create the trust, ideally you want to put all the assets in it. If you don't, we also prepare a will that says, on my death, anything that I didn't put into my trust, put it into my trust. Now, the problem with that, um, there are several. 
One is that you will frequently end up having to go through a probate court proceeding if you rely on what we call the pour-over will to pour the assets into the trust after your death. One of the big benefits of having a trust is that there's no court involvement. You don't need to hire a lawyer and go into court and have a probate process when you die. The, the successor trustee just steps in and manages the assets in the trust in the way that you decided. Um, now, if your assets are outside the trust, absolutely the will will work in terms of on your death transferring the assets into the trust. The problem is a court is likely going to have to oversee it, which it's just not ideal. It takes a long time. It's complicated. It ties things up. Um, from a tax standpoint, if you are someone who has a taxable estate for estate tax purposes, um, not funding your trust can be very problematic because it can increase the potential estate tax liability um, for your family, particularly in, in Illinois. Not as much on the federal side, but more so in Illinois. Um, and that's probably kind of outside the scope of this discussion, but the, the bottom line is the most ideal situation is to transfer your assets into your trust during your life as opposed to relying on a pour-over will and a potential probate process after your death. You're, you're hearing from Heather Walzer today. Uh, Heather is... Uh uh, an attorney at uh, Lavelle Law Limited. Um, she uh, heads up the estate planning practice group there and joins us from time to time. Uh, all of her past podcasts are archived here on, on Blog Talk Radio as well as on iTunes and under the media tab at lavellelaw.com. And uh, actually excited to announce that uh, Heather just completed shooting a short video on estate planning. That will also be appearing on lavellelaw.com very, very soon, so uh, keep an eye out for that. Uh, in the interim, you can also read a number of articles that uh, Heather has authored. Those are also archived on that on that uh, website, lavellelaw.com. Um, I think we have talked so far primarily about the living or, or revocable trust in the discussion today. What what other types of trusts do we need to be aware of, and, and are they factors in our discussion today? Yeah, absolutely. So another pretty common type of trust is called an islet, an irrevocable life insurance trust. And the idea of an islet is that unlike a living trust, it's not changeable or amendable during your life. You create it during your lifetime, and then you transfer um, generally, generally what you want to transfer to an islet is a life insurance policy. And the reason for that is many, many people um, are highly insured. Um, with life insurance, particularly we see it in the case of you know, families with younger children who need to make sure that if the primary breadwinner um, passes away, that there are assets available to get the kids you know, through college and, and out onto their own. Um, the problem with those insurance policies is that they are actually included in the taxable estate of the person who purchases the policy, the person who is insured with the policy, um, even though that person may not have any access to the the life insurance proceeds during their lifetime, and it doesn't kick in until they die, those funds, 100% of them, are considered part of their taxable estate for estate tax purposes. Now, to get around that, we could create an islet um, and transfer the life insurance policy into the islet, at which point it's removed from the taxable estate of the insured, which is a pretty huge benefit, particularly when you know you have a million plus dollars worth of life insurance, it can really make a difference in terms of the taxable estate of the person for an estate tax purpose. Um, now, 
funding is especially important with an islet, um, and here's why. Normally with the trust, you create the trust, then you put assets in it after it's signed and created, and you know, you, you've got time to, over time, gradually add assets. As you acquire them, you add them to your trust. With the islet, you really don't want to go that route. Um, the most ideal situation is to create the islet, and you fund it with some nominal amount. You know, you say, hey, I'm transferring $10 to myself as trustee or, or to, to the trustee of the islet. Um, then you want to purchase the life insurance policy in the islet. You actually want the islet to purchase it, and here's why. Um, if, on the, the flip side, instead of doing it that way, you create an islet and then transfer an existing policy into it, um, there's a three-year period in which the, the policy doesn't really count as being transferred to the islet. You've got to survive that three-year period. So what that means is that if you have an existing policy, you set up an islet, then you transfer the policy into the islet, and then within the three-year period immediately after transfer, you die, those assets, the, the, the proceeds of the life insurance policy, are still going to be included in your taxable estate. So it's not the end of the world. I mean, if you're a young person and you have a policy and, you know, most likely you're going to outlive the three years, functionally it's not going to make a difference. But it's just something to be aware of, that the process of funding an islet is really crucial um, and the timing is important in order to ensure that you get that benefit of keeping the life insurance proceeds out of your taxable estate. Now, before we go here, a couple of things I've heard you say. You talked about um, different stages in life, young people maybe being a little bit older, maybe having kids, um, you know, moving things in and out of the, or into the trust at various times. In general, would you recommend that once a trust is established that is there a time period it should be reviewed every five years or should it be reviewed on certain milestones such as getting married, having kids, buying a house, or all of the above? Yeah, absolutely all of the above. So the general rule is every three to five years at a minimum, you should pull your trust document out, look it over, give your lawyer a call, and just make sure that everything still fits your needs. And and that may mean because of a change in the law. It may mean you look at it and say, oh, you know, I need to name a different guardian for my children or, or take your pick, any any of those kinds of changes. So that's at a minimum every three to five years. Then in addition, any time you have a major life change, like you, you mentioned, a birth, a death, a marriage, a divorce, any big kind of watershed event like that, you absolutely want to just review your documents and make sure that they still accomplish the goals that you, that you have in light of the big change. Um, you know, particularly, for example, in a divorce or marriage situation, you want to either make sure you, you are providing for your new spouse or you want to make sure that you are no longer providing for your ex-spouse. So anytime there's a big life change, it, it calls for a review of your estate plan documents. And thank you so much to Heather. Unfortunately, that is our time for today. Uh, great information as always. Uh, you can find Heather's information at lavellelaw.com. You can uh, catch all the past podcasts here on Blog Talk Radio. And look forward to having her back soon and uh, having all of you come back to listen to our next conversation. Always a pleasure to have you with us. Thanks so much for being here.
Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.